Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Episode 29, another phone well, conversation. Hopefully, this is the, well, next week I'm out of town, but I might, I might be back, in the, we'll see, back in the studio. I, I was just saying, like, I feel like... Well, I gotta work on Sundays. Huh? I'm working on Sundays for the next oh, co- right. couple weeks. Um, I was thinking about, I was just telling you that uh, I'm basically just opening um, Wikipedia pages to do this, but... It's because I feel like it's not like a ton of research because these are things that that I think are more personal. So, you know what I was just watching on ESPN two, the 2017 championship of bags. Do you know what that is? No. It's the American Cornhole Championships. <laughs> all I know, really? all I know is like. Sports, you know that there's a void of sports when you're watching a pregnant woman and a championship of Cornell. <laughs> the woman that won was pregnant. She's taught, She won $3,000. Like, woof. They need to up their game. $3,000. You well, if we play a lot of Cornhole, how, how would we fare in the, oh, the Cornhole championships? You might do better than I do. I need... The only way... I'm only good when I get a rhythm going. I can't just, like stop and start which is mostly what the thing is but if I get a rhythm growing I can get it but I'm really I'm not that good well I mean like when, when they when they throw when they throw bags um like does everyone just get it in the hole every time uh no but there is a lot of it's not like bowling where they're just like doing strikes every single time okay um, that's what I'm wondering that's but the good. pregnant lady was just really excited about some stuff and she was yelling and at things that were going wrong, and I'm like, "What am I watching?" <laughs> That's fantastic. That's like my favorite opening of this show ever. Right I took there. a I took a video on my phone. I'm going to send you of the lady like getting all pissed off. Uh, <laughs> maybe we could put it on the on the page so you guys can see it. Uh, um. So where are you at? I'm I'm down at Comic Con in San Diego. But you told me that you haven't even gone to it yet. Well, I haven't gone to the convention center. I hate the convention. This is like my eighth Comic-Con, somewhere there, seventh. I don't like the convention center. It's too packed. There's just too many people. and everyone just selling everything. Um, but I do like the atmosphere at Comic-Con. I like, like, it's, you know, it spills out in the bars and restaurants. So it's fun, you know, like in the streets, it's like a big party, kind of. Everyone's just dressed up in costumes. Yeah, obviously. Well, I was I was telling you like there's a <laughs> there, like 
poker later. I was like, yeah, I'll be in a bar that's made out to look like the USS Enterprise or something. <laughs> Sitting there trying to watch sports. Well, um, at least you don't have to pay $50 to get in like the one here in... Uh, what's that? In, the, in the LA, the uh, Star Wars bar. It's like $50 oh, to get yeah. in. Right, right, yeah. Well, I don't know. Who the I hell's mean, paying for that? I, I know a lot of people have paid for it. We what? actually was just making plans to go to that. I know, so stupid. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, here's some cool things I did see. Um, well, I mean, I guess I ran into last night uh, coming out of a party at like 1 a.m. I ran into the preacher. Okay. The guy who plays the preacher. Like, I literally ran into him. It was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, this woman I had lunch with yesterday, um, I came back to her office and she was like, uh, her boss came in and said that she had just witnessed a wedding that was officiated by Orlando Bloom. Okay. Who's Those are the kind there? of things that are just walking. Like, that was a lunch. Like, just, you know. <laughs> um, and I'm staying down the street from, like, the, uh, I forget what the name of the theater is, but the theater where they do, uh, Conan does his show, so it's just a mess down there. Don't they do, like, the Walking Dead walk or something? Do they still do that? Yeah, that's today. They do the zombie parade, which is kind of fun. Like, everybody gets dressed up like zombies, and they just do their best zombie walk and like there's people there to paint you up and everything and everyone lines the streets as these zombies just you know like if you're in a regular if you're in like a stormtrooper costume they'll turn your costume into a zombie stormtrooper and you do the parade is there a flash mob of thriller I've yet to witness a flash mob of thriller I'll keep you posted I feel like I really want to see the uh, the thriller dance I've seen it on like uh, online they had, like, all these Chinese people, I think, like, doing... Yeah, it was, like, thing. a prison or something, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a prison. You're right. Uh, um, I saw the trailers that dropped for uh, Ready Player One, which I'm really excited for, but I don't think that trailer is very... I guess... doesn't really show the real story, and I think it's going to not represent the film as well as it should. Um, so we'll see what people's reactions are to that. Um, and then I saw the... What's, what's Ready Player One? I don't even know. Ready Player One's is an awesome book. Um, that, uh, it's basically like Willy Wonka. It takes place in the future. And, uh, everything now is like basically destroyed in the world. And everybody uses virtual reality, like basically the Matrix type world to like go to school and work. But they're really sitting at home on their, like, you know, their viewers in these shitty apart, shitty places. And basically the creator says uh, he's, he's either dying. I can't remember. He's either dying or he just wants to stop, uh, stop doing it or running the thing. So he basically says, all right, you guys need to find whoever finds, like, four keys... Uh, and brings it to wherever it needs to go, then they can become the creator of the thing. And the ba- okay. and basically the creator can decide whether they want to turn it off or keep it going. Like people should be, should they be in in reality or should they stay in the virtual world? And But it's all like, the things they have to do are all retro stuff. Like I don't really want to give all the stuff away, 
because it's like gonna be fun to watch. But it has to do a lot of eighties. It's eighties stuff. Okay. Um. But uh, so that was that's the trailer. You know, they have like it's very CGI, and it has like someone driving the DeLorean from Back to the Future through like a chase scene. Okay. So, so it's like stuff like that, but um, that's not really what the book was. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then I saw the trailer for Justice League that they just released, like a four-minute trailer. Oh, I saw that they announced that Wonder Woman two was was going to happen. I didn't see anything about Justice League. Okay. It's very uh, CGI bad guyish. I don't. I don't know. I'm nervous about it. Well, I think you should be nervous about it because Marvel tends to make pretty bad movies. But of course, they started the trailer off with all, uh, all you know, Wonder Woman DC scenes. Tends to make pretty bad movies. Go ahead. What did you say? They started the trailer off with the uh, Wonder Woman scenes, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. I wonder if it's if Justice League is going to do a lot better because uh, Wonder Woman did so well. Oh, I think a hundred percent it will. I, I'm really interested in the future of all this stuff. Um, like, I'm really interested in how Black Panther is going to do. Like, that's something I'm really, uh, you know, Marvel's Black Panther. Because, you know, the political climate right now is so crazy in this country that you wonder if a lot of that Marvel audience is going to be like, I'm not going to see something called Black Panther. But at the same time, you're going to get audiences that otherwise don't usually go see Marvel movies. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating because... Well, everyone can talk about racism or whatever in, in Hollywood. Uh, I think money drives everything. So if there's a big audience for it, you're going to see a bunch of movies, you know, that are like it. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm interested. I'm, I'm excited to see how it all goes. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Sorry. buzz, there's a lot of buzz about, around Black Panther. Yeah, I didn't mean to get heavy. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, I, it's a true story. It's just something I'm interested in. I'm, it, it, you know, like, I feel like um, black audiences have been mostly ignored in TV dramas, and then they put out Empire, and it's like Shonda Rhimes World and all that, and now those are the most successful shows on network television. So yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested to see if, if movies do sort of the same thing. And I know you hate when I do this, going back to Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg directed it. Oh. Listen, I'm trying to not watch anything on Game of Thrones. I've basically stayed clear of all the trailers, all the reviews and everything. I'm just going in fresh. Okay. So um, you can tell me so what we, your thoughts are, but... I so we can't... Seen. You don't want me to talk about it? You can talk about it. I just haven't seen there's it. A, there's a character that comes back. That's all. In the trailer. A character that comes back. Yes. Is he beheaded? No, this person is not dead. This person was sent away last year. The lizard guy? Uh, wizard guy is close. No, lizard. Wrong, wrong gender, right, um, right powers. 
Oh, the witch? Yeah, Melisandre. Well, yeah, uh, you, you know, you know she's going to come back. So she comes back to team up with uh, the Khaleesi. Did you watch... Uh, Which is pretty badass. Well, Jon Snow's about to go meet up with her because he's trying to go get that dragon glass. Did you All right, watch? we're, we're going to have to have it. Of course, we'll do a Game of Thrones. You can hear two idiots trying to discuss things did they don't watch? know anything about. Well, did you see... <laughs> Howard Stern has this great, like commercial for Game of Thrones where Oh, I heard that. that they, when they don't know their names. The other penis no penis guy. But he's <laughs> not that, he's not wrong. I was gonna say too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you watch the uh, premiere? I did. Um, I thought I think it's it's tough now because you know it's the end, so every episode is such high stakes that I feel like they can't win, like if, if not enough happens, you're going to be, like, so pissed. Like, well, every season, the first episode is always, like, where everybody's at and what they're doing and what's going to happen. Like, what the plans are. So that, right. so they don't have to go back every single time and show every single person in every episode. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it was just a setup episode. The problem is there's yep. only seven episodes. You can't really set up something... <laughs> Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. So every episode, like every minute uh, uh, that they put out there, it's like you're, you know, you double down on it. You're like, dude, this has to be important because there's only so much of this left. All I know is I was just like, they're gonna have to figure out that the dragons just go on a beach somewhere and just make some dragon glass with their fire. And then this episode, they were like, there, a random map that he found said, oh, there's a lot of dragon glass under the. Uh, the mountain there, and so and the, and the, when he's having to turn to the right page in the right book, the yeah, library. Yeah. Um. Listen, by the time people listen to this, the second episode will have run. So this conversation is going to be so outdated by the time anyone listens to this. Anyone who watches Game of Thrones has already seen that first episode. Right, but I'm saying that by the time someone listens to this podcast, the second episode will have run already. So they so. had already found the glass. <laughs> who knows. All I know is, uh, all I know is, we we only we know that the only way to kill the uh, the the like Walking Bruce. Dead is the uh, Dragon Glass. And I don't understand why people aren't taking that more serious. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is, like, all these people are like trying to like win thrones when there's like literally an army of like dead people that everyone knows about that are coming and no one wants to work together. They just want to like deal with their own shit. Yeah. They know that no one can kill these big things. I don't know. Anyway, it's all going to come to a head. The opening scene was really good. Uh, I, of the uh, episode with the uh, face-off, the Mission Impossible face-off. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was totally confused. I was like, didn't this guy dot? Like, I just, I don't know. Do you have any, any other notes before we... Get into some uh, music. My, my only note is, um, when when I was like reading, I, what are we what are we talking about first? We're talking about music stuff, right? Yeah, music stuff. All right. So when I was like looking up, reading like articles, so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Lincoln Park and uh, Chester Pe- uh, Pennington who who died. I was looking up articles like where people were giving quotes, and there's something I really hate. It's like 
if I go on like a Hollywood Reporter, like I don't know piece online, it'll say like so and so Ken's tribute to Chester Bennington. And I'm like, oh, I want to see what that is, and I start reading the article, and it's not really reporting if you're just writing rewriting what's been posted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone goes on Twitter and posts this like nice long like three paragraph eulogy. You don't really need to write a whole thing about, like, each sentence broken down. Like, I can just scroll down and read it. It's not really reporting. <laughs> yeah. And I fall for it every time, and I'm so mad. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so seems like, um, seems like uh, it's a lot of suicides lately, huh? Yeah, but before we get in, I got one note. Okay. I uh, was recommended a show from these people at work, and it is actually really funny. Have you heard of Chewing Gum? No. It's on Netflix. It's an English show. Okay. It's about this uh, black girl who's basically a virgin, has been dating this this guy for a long time who never, like, touched her or anything, and she's just, like, she breaks up with him, and it's about her, like trying to make up for the years that she's lost and she doesn't know what the hell she's doing and it's it is really funny like the character's really overblown like physical comedy type um i i I think the first season is like six episodes you haven't watched um catastrophe yet right i think it's about it's kind of like catastrophe in terms of how it's structured six episodes a season I think okay. there's two seasons or something. Or they're on the third, check it out. third season. But anyway, yes. Going back to suicides. <laughs> Dude. So, uh, Chris Cornell hangs himself. This guy, Chester Bennington, goes to his funeral, sings hallelujah at the, at the uh, funeral. And then, like, a few days later, he's, or a few weeks later, he's committing suicide. The same yeah. way. It's tough. It's weird, you know. Um, we, we like. I, I, did I tell you? I think I told you. Yeah, like I just had a relative who who did that, who took their own lives, and she was very young. Um, it seems to be just like I don't know. It just seems to be going. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like more. I don't know. It just it. it it's, it's scary, right? When you think about it. I wonder if, like, you know, you know, people have suicidal thoughts and everything, and then he must have saw, like, the... I mean, I don't know. This is just me talking. I don't know any... Obviously, I don't know anything. But, uh, you know, he sees the outpouring of support and, like, how much of a... Like, I guess, like, the aftermath was in terms of all the people coming together and singing songs and all this, remembering them. And it could add to, uh, you know, if your time is up, you're like, oh, okay, well, then this is maybe going to be me. I, I'll have a better afterlife than I have a life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, my, my cousin who just uh, passed, she left a note, and that's on her. I, I actually got, I actually read the note, and it was saying that, um, just like there's nothing for me here. I'm like I'm looking forward to whatever's on, whatever's happening out there. She's like I'm not in pain. I'm not upset. I'm just I need. I just want to go 
just think that there's more there for me than here. So uh, I wasn't a yeah. huge I wasn't a huge Lincoln Park fan. Uh, um, I know okay. you, I know I you was, liked, I know you I was at first. I, I I'll go through um I guess we'll start going through like so I was just looking up all their albums and um you know, part of what was going on with them was everybody hated their new stuff. Right. I don't know if you read a lot about that. Well, you you I didn't read up on it, but in terms of like airtime and publicity, like none of their new stuff like did anything. Well, no, because this new this new album or whatever was it was like number one on the charts. It was top of the charts. <laughs> um, my friend it was funny. I just had a conversation on Monday with my friend Christian. He was like. Uh, have you heard this Lincoln Park song? I said, like, yeah, it's terrible. This album's terrible. And uh, I know there were a lot of people felt that way, and I think that that backlash was, you know, he he publicly came out and like scolded their fans for disliking their new music, uh, which is always a weird thing, right? Because yeah, I mean, they, you worked you, know, you worked to put that out. Um. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have critics nowadays, you know? It's just... Right. It's the uh, social media, you know, whole thing. Um, so, all right, so just to go through, like, a little timeline of Linkin Park, because, like, at some point, one of the original ideas I wanted to do when we were talking about this podcast was, like, a history of, like, the rock rap thing, um, because I think it's fascinating, because there's so many douchebags involved in that world. Um, and there's a time I was really into that stuff, as I'm sure you were. Yeah. Um, and so these guys kind of came on towards the tail end of, of that big boom, you know, with like Link, uh, Limp Biscuit and Corn and all that stuff. Um, so I, I remember when Lincoln Park came out, I was like, oh, who are these like hacks, you know? And then that album, Hybrid Hybrid Theory, that they came out with, that first album, was so freaking good. Um, I, it was so popular. I had, I lived in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey at that time, and my roommate uh, only owned, like, two CDs of his entire life, and one of them was that album. Yeah. Okay. And I think part of the reason, like, maybe most people our age, you know, don't love... Um, Lincoln Park is they were kind of like really popular for high school kids at that time and we had just finished college you know I think the first album came out in 2000 um but I uh I tend to be about five or ten years um my brain works about five or ten years uh, on delay so <laughs> I think I'm like 15 when I'm 20 you know yeah <laughs> it's, it's, I'm a late bloomer basically. That's, that's a nice way to put it um, so I got really into them and I got really into that album um, that's the one that had like crawling in the end um, those were like huge yeah, songs yeah in the, in the end was like their biggest like one of their biggest hits and it had that one step closer I, I, I still listen to that song when I'm like running or something um, one of my favorites was a song called Points of Authority on that album um, you, have, you have any clips Huh? You have any clips? Uh, I can't. I'm on a phone. <laughs> Hold on. I'm gonna find on YouTube so people know what we're talking about here. 
So here's in the end. This is. Put my touch. All right, so uh, yes, that was a good song. <laughs> I like your I like your duet better. Um. So yeah, yeah. That, that was released so, in two thousand. That's released in two thousand, and then they wind up putting out their next album was like this reanimation album, which was um, like they remixed all those songs, and I don't know if people ever ever into it or not, but. There's like two or three songs on that that I thought were like way like better than the originals, and I like I loved them. Um, With you and by myself, those were the two that I I really liked on Reanimation. Um, it just had a, a different arrangement, and and it was yeah, it was really cool. Uh, and then in 2003, uh, they released Meteora, which was like an I, I thought it was an awesome second album. Usually, the second album is is problematic. Yeah, my, I love my favorite album. song on I think was on that album. Numb? What? This one? Yeah, a lot of listening to that now because I haven't listened to that stuff in a while. You do remember all these douchebag bands that did all the rap rock stuff, right? When they're talking, and then all of a sudden they just go into some hardcore rock song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they, I mean, but they 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 had a perfect blend with it, with that. You know, that, it wasn't like Mike Shinoda, the the rapper guy. It's not like he was that great of a of a rapper but their voices they 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 played off each other very very well and like Chester Bennington like his voice when he sings it's like there's so much emotion behind it you know yeah like you know there's a good clip um I saw um and someone had posted it was about uh it was it was like a video of little girl and her mother at like front row at a Lincoln Park concert and he's singing crawling and he starts kind of singing it to the two of them and he's screaming with like this pain but then he's like very gentle the way he's dealing with them I just was like that kind of sums up everything um I'll, I'll post a link to it I thought it was uh it just kind of showed what like what was coming out of those pipes to that guy um but uh yeah, so I went to go see them. I saw them three times. I see them concert three times, and that was the first time I went to see them. Was right after that album came out, and I went with my uh, my buddy Dave Carr, and we went to this. It was uh, it was like an Ozfest show, and it was like the Deftones. It was them. Uh, I can't remember who else, but the headliner was was Metallica. Shit. And Damn. 
we we like we were like really psyched to see I that. I thought Ozfest always ends with uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Well, it did, this one did. Yes, <laughs> I I maybe it wasn't Ozfest. I don't know what it was. It was, but it was like uh, I'll find him. I'm talking to you. But so we we had like general mission tickets. It was at um, it was at the Meadowlands in New Jersey, and. Um, we, we like we had gel missions so we got like second row we were like so excited for this and the guy standing in front of us was like 6'4 big fat guy just chugging beers and he spent the entire concert with both his middle fingers in the air at the band because they weren't Metallica <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest thing we were just like wow this guy really really hates every band that's not Metallica um oh I think like Limp Bizkit was on that thing too it was weird it was weird um uh anyway um oh it was called the Summer Sanitarium Tour it was in 2003 um but yeah and then they, they released some like live albums and because people were like, oh, that's all studio shit. And they came out with some live albums that were, like, really good. And they showed, like, that they're really good live. Um, and, uh, yeah. Then, um, then they did some, like, of their own shit. There's this band that, like, Shinoda was in called Fort Minor that had some cool stuff in it. Um, there's a really good scene in Entourage that used a song by them really well. And um, uh, then... Then they like regrouped and put out this um, this album called Minutes to Midnight, which is really good. Uh, they got Rick Rubin to produce it, who did like Rick Rubin's behind like half of the best albums yeah. in the last twenty years. Um, and it was like a total like they just kind of moved from that thing into like more of a rock. It was like, more of a rock band. Uh, album. The first song was called "Given Up," and it just—it was like it opened with this heavy guitar riff and him screaming, and it was just—I don't know—it was really good. And then they had that song "Shadow of the Day," which was really good on that. Um, I liked uh, that "Death by Sunrise" uh, band. The what? Which band? It's "Death by Sunrise." I think it was like one of his side bands. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know them. It's basically—it sounds the exact same. Um, but uh, hold on, I'm trying to pull up the because uh, I think I have. But anyway, go ahead. Oh well, no, no, it's fine. Because uh, yeah, that, that that happened in that lull be- between Meteora and Minutes to Midnight, and it was cool because um, they just kind of changed their styles and like really. I'm not saying that they're like the world's greatest band, but when bands can change that's what keeps them relevant you know like there's very few bands that can keep changing their sound that that stems back from the Beatles um and still create um relevant and good music so yeah are you got it uh, I do here's here's their I guess their popular song Curl back in. I want to crawl back in. 
just basically kind of the same thing. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with, uh... Whoa, what the hell was that? What? I just heard a big ding. Oh, I, I was messing with my volume because I was going to play something at some point, and then somebody texted me. Oh. They don't know. You know I thought that was coming from here. Um, but, yeah, so... I don't know what the hell's going on with lead singers killing themselves, but hopefully it doesn't happen oh, to our next band. What's up? Wait a second. Hold on a second. We're not, I'm we're trying not to transition. Yet. You're not, but you're way you're too early. Okay. Where because we at? we're at, two, like right now we're in like 2007, 10 years ago. <laughs> All right. You're gonna I'm, have... not gonna, I'm not going to stretch it because there was only four albums I really liked, but the next album was called A Thousand Suns, and I really liked that album. And that had probably my favorite um I find my favorite Linkin Park song of all time on it. It's like it's one of my favorite songs called "Waiting for the End." Okay. Do you know that song? No. All right, I'll play it for you. Here's how it goes. All right, it's not gonna come through. So, that, that, it's it's a little hard with you on the phone. Here, I'm gonna I'll find it on uh, YouTube. It'll probably be easier. But anyway, so this is your favorite song. Uh, are you? Are we still recording, or did you stop? That song. I'm gonna download that. So you never heard that before? No. Oh, because the best part's the end. They kind of like bring it all in together and harmonize and so, all that shit. So happens. the t- the title really does uh, come through <laughs> at the end. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all right, I won't harp on this much longer. I'm just. I was really kind of sad. I really liked. You know, I, I was a big. I was a pretty big fan. And I just wonder. I'm so interested in where they wind up in history. You know, like, when they do the Grammys and stuff, and they do the tributes, um, you know they're going to do a Soundgarden one or a Chris Cornell one. Like, that's automatic. But does, like, Linkin Park find its way in that? Like, does, you know, like... Uh, yeah, I think they'll get something. Like, do they go down as, like, uh, like I don't know, 10 years from now, do we talk about them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or... Um, yeah, I think they'll get in. I do too. Do you think this is an awful question? But do you think they get in if he's still alive? Yeah, I think they do. I do too. Um, but it's interesting because you know they're not they're they're they were very popular, so they're like very poppy ish in their what they're doing, and there's you know a lot of people who resent that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, and then you know they put out. I also just want to mention they put out a couple albums afterwards that I. Was not a fan of, and they did a song for like every Transformer movie, which I'm also not a fan of. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just kind of sad that you know it's like it's like having an old friend pass away or something, someone you haven't seen in a while, and you're like, oh man, we had some we had some of the best times, and now they're like, yeah, 
anyway. But some of I'll make the transition. Some of the best times have come back to uh, become relevant with us now, haven't they? They have. Do you know what the top five most profitable artists in 2016 are? I know number one and I know number two, but I'm going to let you do it. So what was what was number what what do you think? Well, you know number one. I know number one. I know number two. All right. So number five, Kanye West. 26 million last year. Number four, Justin Bieber. 30.5. Number three, Adele. Number two, Guns N' Roses. And number one, Beyonce. So, yesterday, July 21st, marked the 30th anniversary of Appetite for Destruction. You know what's so funny is like every day is an anniversary for something. Well, that's why we that's why we can have a podcast. <laughs> every day we should figure out, or every podcast we should find out what the anniversary was. We'll talk about that on every podcast. Uh, I've done it. I've done it before when we were searching for ideas. I've been like, oh, well, this came out twenty years ago. <laughs> I I tried to get us to do like the ten year anniversary of the landlord. And the landlord came out on Funny or Die. Um, but anyway, 30th anyway. anniversary of Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses' first album. And and probably, we, we both agree, maybe probably the best album of all time. Yeah, definitely uh, up there, for sure. Um, I, was watching, so, uh, I was watching an interview uh, with uh, Slash, and he was talking about how Every song that they wrote on that album, they wrote in one sitting. Really? They came up in one sitting. They never came back and, like, they would go in, hash it out until it was over, and then uh, and then they would go record it. Okay, cool. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. These are both California bands. Lincoln Park, was. they're from Agora Hill. Uh, I think Agora... And then these guys are from L.A. I was just having this conversation. If an athlete, an actor, and a musician walks in into the room, who's who's the alpha? Who's the big dog? And who are more people excited to see? Uh, probably the athlete, I would think. That's what I thought. And then I talked to some people, and everyone I was with was saying, definitely the musician. I think we can all agree it's not the actor. Well, I guess, all right, here, I'll give you a thing. LeBron James, Paul McCartney, and Tom Cruise. Who's the the go-to? Probably Paul McCartney. I think think it's somewhat regional. I think if you grew up in a, like, you know, L.A. is not, doesn't love sports the way that New York or Boston or... You know, a lot of these places love, like, their specific sport. And so I think if you, you know, if you're a California born and raised guy, you're, you're going to, or, or gal, you tend to probably, probably the musician's the one that gets you. But I think if you're from, you know, places where sports mean more than they do here, I think that's it. Sports would be the, the athlete would get it. I don't know, it's an interesting question. <laughs> 
We'll have an answer for you next week, folks. Um, all right, so going back to Appetite, so what's your song? What's your go-to? What's your favorite song on that album? Well, um, I mean, I love, obviously, when you first start that album, Welcome to the Jungle is pretty iconic song. Love that yeah. song. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's three, like, huge songs on the album, which were Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, and Sweet Child of Mine. If you took take those out of the out of the mix, then I like Night Train. Okay. That's probably I listen to that more than I do like Paradise City. Alright. Um I just like how it like starts off. Like that serious uh concert that we were just listening to, I guess they played a live show. Um, from Apollo on Sirius, they were on the they were on the stage for like three and a half hours. <laughs> Did you listen to that? I listened to part of it. I was driving down to San Diego, so I put it on after you told me about it. And uh, yeah, it just didn't sound like anybody was there. It's uh, Apollo's like fifteen hundred people, right? Um, and I was listening to because there's a Guns and Roses channel now. Which, oh, there is? Yeah, 41, it's Faction. They're doing a limited thing. Um, so they were, they had basically the concert and then they had some commentating. <laughs> but like when they went, they went off the stage for their encore, like they basically came in and they were talking about, you know, how good it sounded and all this stuff. And they were like, the guy was like, we're hitting like the three hour and 15 minute mark. Wow. And, I was, and they have the, he's like, I have the set list right here. And they still have a good amount of songs to do. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. But that's the thing about Axl Rose is like, he could do a three hour concert or walk off after 20 minutes <laughs> and be done. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, I was a Mr. Brownstone guy. That was my jam on that album. But, yeah, that's a good song. Um, Rocket Queen. Um, so the thing about Night Train is it starts off with that, uh, the sound of the train, and they played that at the concert that I was kind of getting to. Uh, okay, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I totally forgot, you know, where I was starting with it there. But Okay. They always start with that really loud steam train song. And uh-huh. they just go right into it, and it's, like, all pretty hardcore. But anyway. Um, is there any any Guns N' Roses song on their following albums, on the Use Your Illusion albums, that um, trumps, that, that you like more than it on anything on this, like, than, than your favorites from this album? Um, Civil War is probably my favorite song. By them, I like. I'm with you on Civil War. It's just so. It's, Civil War is like really long. It is long. It is a long song. And that's my problem because Coma is probably one of my favorite songs. It's just if they could just cut half of that song out of me. I mean, shame on me for saying something like that. But like, <laughs> there are a lot of songs on uh, that album that were so really long. It was like a Strange was like 11 minutes or something. Yeah, a Strange is another one. And November uh, Rain was really November long. November Rain, yep. But, 
I mean, this album, I think they sold like 30 million copies of this album. This Appetite for Destruction. I mean, it right. came on the scene like just, just hit, you know. And these guys became instant stars. Um, I think one of the producers was just talking about he could, uh, like he was with them when they were basically at Whiskey at Go-Go to like know people. And then right after this album hit, he basically could sign with any artist. He could sign on any artist he wanted. Uh, I don't have the article in front of me, so I don't have the actual guy. That's fine. I'll tell you, I didn't, like, I was really into, like, hip-hop and stuff that time. And so I was, like, I hated all those hair metal bands. I totally resented Bon Jovi and Poison and all that stuff. Um, so I didn't want to like that when that came out. And then it just, it was like a steam train. That thing was like, it was a night train. It was a night train. It's a really um, good live song. I, I was going to say, you can always gauge the amount of listeners we have by the lack of care that we can play any song we want. Like, God forbid people start listening to us. I have our production goes out the window. Well, I know. To be honest with you, my, my, our friend of the podcast, Micah, I mean, he's probably loving this section. He probably wish he could call in uh, tomorrow when he hears us and tell us all the things we missed. I'm sure. He's, he's a big rocker guy. Okay. Um, and yeah, he's all into Guns N' Roses and all this. He's probably big in the Lincoln Park too. So, but anyway, so Guns N' Roses touring is coming back around. We saw them last year. Would you like? Do you have any interest in seeing them again or no? I would see them again, but I don't really want to pay two hundred dollars. <laughs> okay, oh, that that was about four questions I had to ask wrapped up in one. That was good. Good answer. <laughs> I mean, it was two hundred forty dollars the tickets. Yeah. So, yeah. it's it's definitely worth it, but going twice, I don't know. Yeah, especially when you know that they're not really, there's no deep cuts, Yeah, They only no, had, not. basically, like, three or four albums, so you're getting everything you want to hear. Yeah, they played everything, except for Patience. They didn't play Patience. Right. But they played Patience in that live concert last night. Oh, cool. That was one of their encores. Um... Anything else for the Guns N' Roses? Uh, Do you have anything to say about Appetite for Destruction being 30 years old? Um, it just makes me feel really old. <laughs> um, that one kind <laughs> of snuck up. You know, it, I'll be honest. Like, there's Sometimes I hear this stuff, and I start thinking, holy shit, am I old? But then, like, this isn't one of those moments, though. That like makes sense to me, that that was 30 years old. Um there's like when I hear that some rap albums are, are like 20 years old that's when I get freaked out <laughs> oh man but it was uh, you know this tour like didn't seem like it would ever happen I know and, and somehow they uh, were able to mend 
a lot of their um, problems in the past and uh, do this. I mean, I'm sure they still have animosity towards each other for some things, but they made it happen yeah. and they uh, made a shit ton of money. My guess is they're not all going out for dinner after it's done. No. Together. Definitely. Uh, but I don't know, you know. They've been very good at least if there's any kind of rift. They've been very good at keeping that quiet. Yeah. Because we're all waiting to hear it. All right. Well, uh, Guns N' Roses. So from one giant production to another. So Dunkirk came out this weekend. I'm going to see it tonight. Yeah, I'm uh, going to see it this weekend. Um, how excited are you from like... Yeah. For the whole summer, where does Dunkirk come out for you as the most anticipated movie? Is it, is it the one you're most looking forward to? Yeah. Top um, five? It's probably top five. Yeah, I'm like really excited for this thing. Okay. And, uh, you know, they shot it. Supposedly it's a very visual experience. So you need to see it on IMAX or 70 millimeter. You can go online. It's easy to find where these things are playing. Don't just go to the theater and see it. Even in the smallest of towns. And I'm saying that to my family in Cary, North Carolina. You can, you can find, you know... 70 millimeter presentations and this is the way you should see it because this is the way he shot it and he basically built the movie to have this feeling that you're basically in it and just the scope of everything being epic so it's going to be interesting yeah um, I'm very excited for it as well I, I we're going we're to go over some Nolan stuff um, I had a conversation last week with my my camera guys I'm working with who are big, like, they're big film heads, and they hate Christopher Nolan. <laughs> okay. um, they think that, I mean, and they provided evidence, so, but they think Christopher Nolan has pretty much stolen everything. What's from the anime. Oh, anime. Um, specifically, this movie Paprika, um, which I am interested in seeing, uh, and I'm not usually interested in anime, but Apparently, this paprika is the almost like they're they they show me shot for shot like scenes from Inception and, and Paprika side by side. Well, listen, everybody, I'm not defending. I haven't seen Paprika, <laughs> but uh, every director they could say they're super original, but everybody gets ideas from other artists that they see. So. I right, and then you just put it in a different, cut. like kind of. Uh, Quentin Tarantino uses that a lot. He'll take a spaghetti western. He'll take the anime. He'll take, you know, I mean, he does it on purpose, but. But he also he also this is and, and that came up. Uh, he also acknowledges, you know, like I guess Darren Aronofsky takes a lot from from the, the anime world and, and his movies. And he always get, pays homage to these guys. And apparently no one's never publicly been like, yeah, I, I was totally inspired by this. As far as my friends who are hypercritical of them, no. Um, okay. So that was kind of the whole argument. Because I was like, they all love all the Marvel movies. And I'm so skeptical about them, most of them. Although I did see Spider-Man and it was freaking great. You were right. Yeah, it was really good. Um, How good was... So uh, we'll I, talk about the end. 
Maybe maybe we'll cap it <laughs> off with a review. We'll we'll, we'll stick with the. Uh, Stick with Nolan. Uh, Nolan. Boy, you're, you're learning. And then we'll go, um, we'll go to a quick review of uh, Spider-Man at the end. So my argument to them was that I thought Dark Knight was the best superhero movie of all time. And I didn't even think that there was a rebuttal to that. You know what I mean? In my in my mind, okay. there's like not even a close second. Um, I think that, that that could be an argument we could have. I don't know. Where do you come out with that? Um, I say it's one of the top ones. I mean, I would put the first Superman on there. Like the Christopher Reeve Superman? Yeah, the first one. Uh, I thought that was really well made. Uh, and then um, I like Spider-Man 2. I thought that was really good. Wait, the, from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2? Yeah. Why does everybody like that movie? Like, what am I missing? I don't know. I went back and watched it. Not well. It was on TV. I watched it uh, not too long ago, and it still holds up. It's a good movie. It had the right balance. It had the right balance of everything, which, when you watch the third one, you're just like, "What the fuck is this?" Oh, when he starts like dancing, walking down the street. Yeah, it's just more like no. It just there's so many characters and like that's why this Marvel Infinity War. When you told me there's sixty something characters. There's even 64 characters fighting. <laughs> there seems like there's so many characters in Spider-Man 3. But anyway, that movie uh, was terrible. But yeah, I, I would mean, say so, Dark Knight came out, I mean, just from the opening scene, putting you, establishing everything that you're about to see was pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Somebody else, I had another conversation with another film guy. He's like, you know what I love about Nolan? He starts every movie with an element. I'm like, what do you mean? So like, you know, fire or um, earth. And I'm like, I don't. You can say that about any guy that makes a movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's I'm like? What, what what is it in the Dark Knight? What, which element does he start with? It's a bank robbery. Yeah, like, it starts I, with a grappling yeah. hook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and like, I guess it's the fire from the explosion. I'm like, I think you're reaching, pal. Yeah. I'm really excited to, uh, when my nephew gets older, to uh, show him the Dark Knight. I've got that. Yeah, in my Dark Knight. Right. So the first, the first, our first uh, movie with him was Memento, right? And yeah. I, you never saw any of this stuff before that. No. Mm-hmm. All right. So Memento came out in 2000, and it was like, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy movie. But it was awesome. Memento was told in reverse, and when you watch it, it's not as confusing as uh, you would think it would be. I haven't seen that movie in years. Uh, I, I, I just remember going to see it in a theater because I, I had read about it, and I was like, "I'm going to be like that." Was like as underground as it got for me. I, you know, I thought I was cool, like I was in the know. And you didn't realize that a lot of people were seeing it, but. Um, yeah, Memento. Um, it's such a cool movie. Um, then he did in that was 2000 and 2002 Insomnia. I liked Insomnia. Um, I love the kind of. Uh, it took place in Alaska, so the setting was really uh, epic. Uh, they had a lot of overhead shots and you know nature stuff and. Um, 
What I didn't like about it was I didn't like the two old people. It was Robin Williams and uh, uh, Al Pacino. Pacino. And just when they start fighting, it just doesn't work. They're like all (laughs) old and like fighting each other. And you're just like, oh, God, couldn't we figure out a better way to come up with an ending rather than fighting each other like this? Yeah, I get it. I'm not, I didn't love, um, I didn't love it. Hillary Swank, um, who's disappeared recently. Who? Hillary Swank was the other oh, person. Oh, yeah, true. She's kind of disappeared. I don't know where the hell she's at. Um, after that was Batman Begins. Which everyone was super excited for. They didn't know. First of all, you know, when they announced the people that were in the movie, there's all this backlash. You know, nowadays, yeah. it's like any time when Ben Affleck was said to be Batman, everyone's like, oh my god, this is terrible. And then they're like, oh, this is awesome. All right, I'm, I, I am super guilty of that. Yeah. Um, I loved Batman Begins. I remember I actually came out, that was 2005. That summer, I'd come out to L.A. because I was thinking about moving out here. And I just went to the movies by myself to go see it. Um, then I went to the Chinese theater. Uh, I walked from Aaron's old apartment and um, I was like uh, this is the greatest uh, this movie's so great and then they left that Joker card at the end of it and I was like God the next movie can't happen fast enough and when they announced that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker I was so pissed <laughs> yeah I think everybody was yeah right and like, then, we're and like, then he gets nominated for an Academy Award really and it's like yeah it's like Arguably the best performance in any of any superhero movie ever. Arguably, yeah. And my, that, my favorite, and he would have been sure. back, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. He would have yeah. been back. Um, all right. So after Batman Begins, The Prestige. So everyone thinks that this is his best movie. I've I've read a lot of people high on The Prestige. And I, I have a tr- okay. Uh, go ahead, you start because I'm I, sure we have the same problem. I have. I actually went to try to go back. I think you could watch this on Netflix. Uh, I tried to go back and watch this. And I just... I don't know. I cannot get through this movie. There's something about it. I don't like that there's twins. I don't... I don't know. I just didn't... I I couldn't get into it. I thought it was a lot of slow parts. Um, I don't know. just couldn't get into this movie. What would you think? Uh, same thing. I mean, I don't remember... Here's my problem. The Prestige came out at the same exact time as another magician movie. Yeah, the one with... with uh, I think Giamatti with, was in it. With Ed Norton? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I can't even distinguish the difference between the two. I can't remember who's in which one. Yeah. Um, so I really... Like, all of that together created a lot of personal backlash. So... I had like, a re- like I'd like to go back and see it now. Um, I've tried to I've tried to watch it. I don't know. Can't get I, I, I I didn't really give it a chance because I was like, "Fuck all these magician movies." <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like any like I, I I didn't like it at the time, and I guess I'll leave it at that because I, I don't know. Um, but then Batman Begins comes out, and we are. Dark Knight. Or The Dark Knight comes out in 2008, and we were just talking about that, obviously. And you're like, uh, this is how superhero movies should be, based in the real world, 
with real characters rather than like like cartoonish yeah. uh, comic booky feel. It had like more of a real like real right. feel to it. Like um, it was basically like the movie Heat. <laughs> with, yeah, it was, it was a lot like the movie. With Dark Knight, like with it. the uh, Joker and shit in there. I mean, it's like, you know, it's stunts, it's not, it's limited CGI. Um, you know, yeah. they're trying to hide their CGI. They're not making it their main character. Um, and that, that, to me, is huge. That scene downtown um, is just my favorite. Like, when they square off downtown, that ends on the motorcycle. It was, um, it was a little long. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There, there might be one too many characters in that movie too. The scene with the boats was very intense. Thought that was yeah, that was an intense scene. Um, and so from that, he goes into Inception, and it's pretty much like, I mean, uh, this this guy is anything this guy does. I'm there at day one now. Yeah, Inception. I loved Inception. Yeah, Inception was fantastic. Had a great. Great musical score to that movie. Yeah, right. Like, like yeah. basically, like I think that's kind of like what um, Dunkirk is going to be because I heard that there's lots of time when there's no dialogue; it's just music and shots. Um, right. The same thing with Exception; it just like pounds your chest if you see it in the theater, and makes everything so in- intense. Uh, yeah. Just and once you. I- once you get the groove in that movie where you start figuring out kind of how things are working, it makes the movie so enjoyable. That's a good way to put it. That's good because a lot of people dismiss it because it's very confusing. But if you're, if you're in and, you, and if you catch it and you're like, okay, I, I'm following it as best as you can. And, you, and, and people say that it still doesn't make sense and I, I get that. But if you can, if you find a way that like you're watching it and it makes sense to you, it feels good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, and and like the effects, everything about it is just awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. And so like you know, at that point, it's like, dude, Christopher Nolan can do no wrong, and then he makes The Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> which was awful. It wasn't. It wasn't awful. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't. It wasn't good. Uh our friend, yeah. our friend Aaron likes to say everything's terrible. He sent us yeah. a text message. Uh, um, we were talking about going to the movie tonight, and I said something like, I don't know, something got brought up with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And he said, oh, that movie was terrible. But, And I texted him back. I'm like, why do you hate movies so much? You work in film. You work in the film business. I was like, you need to seriously rethink your career. I think he's about a 10% acceptance. Well, we've been trying to have him on as a guest. Maybe we'll get him on. We need to have him on. We'll have him review every summer movie. I'm going to have him talk. Yeah, I'm going to talk to him tonight about coming on. Yeah. I just want to get his review of how much he hated every movie. And he he only saw the movie on, like, a a computer screen. (laughs) But... That being said, Dark Knight Rises is still not a good movie. A lot of problems. And it's like really disappointing. A lot of problems. So you're like, all right, maybe, maybe he just had a hiccup. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, you know, not because Michael Mann had this problem. Michael Mann hit a stride where he made like three or four movies in a row, and you're like, good God, is this guy just put a movie 
year because everything you make is awesome. And then, boom, he makes, like, Miami Vice, Public Enemies, and it's, like, Blackwater or whatever that thing is where... Yeah. You're like, just please stop making movies. (laughs) I want to remember that time we had when you were making Heat and... uh, um, Insider. uh, Yeah, Insider and... um, Oh, is that? Oh, and like collateral. Like, I want to remember that time. <laughs> uh, because he, write, he follows up Dark Knight with Interstellar. Dark Knight Rise with Interstellar. Um, he, he writes Man of Steel first. Oh, right, right. Um, which, which that's not even. Let's not even get into the movie. I uh. That that's a huge argument. Yeah. Is you're the one person in the world who likes that movie. I think it's a lot better than the, everyone like. Right, anyway, Interstellar. It's t- it's an hour and a half people, uh, two hours of people punching each other and no one getting hurt. All right, so Interstellar. <laughs> uh, Interstellar. So I remember we went to go see this. We all went. We were all very excited. Um, and I remember the general opinion was that movie was bad. The ending, he was trying to explain this movie at the end of the movie through these characters and none of it made any sense. There was like an alternate alternate dimension by going into a black hole. It's like, why can't we just have a normal space odyssey? I don't understand. Uh, it was like contact to me. That ending killed me. And I didn't love the movie. I have so many problems with that movie. And I remember when the credits rolled, you and I were laughing hysterically because <laughs> we were making some kind of joke about how Matthew McConaughey like walks into the hospital and he's like younger than his daughter or whatever. Oh yeah. And no one's like no one's like, Hey, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll never forget that. We just started hysterically laughing. We were making all these jokes like, Hey, <laughs> no, no one even brings it up. Only like thirty-five. Yeah, no, no one, no one even like acknowledges it. Right. It's like we're so sorry for your loss. <laughs> um. So to me, this movie needs to be good, Dunkirk, because he's he's treading on Michael Mann territory, like where I, I'm I'm. Uh, this is me, just for me personally. Where I'm like ready to like maybe step step away from Christopher Nolan movies. Okay. That's where I come out with this. So I, I personally I put I put some high stakes that well, I hope next I week hope Christopher Nolan <laughs> I hope he doesn't crumble from the Well pressure. next week we'll find out if you're out on Christopher Nolan or not. Okay. I like that. That's good. We'll leave but it there. you're you're not out on Spider Man. Not out on Spider Man. We do that real quick. I well, I was I've been out on Spider Man since. This what, is going to be a spoiler, so you can turn it off. Yeah, if you, seen it. If you don't want to hear about Spider Man, turn this off. Um, I was out on it for. I was like, I swear to God, I'll never see another Spider Man movie again. My hatred for CGI and just see, you know, he's an impossible person to make without CGI. Yeah, and. Um, because shockingly, nobody can shoot webs and fly. Um, but <laughs> the storytelling in that movie is so good. It is very good. Like, 
the, the lack of, like, the fact, the thing that got me the most is he's just Spider-Man, and his buddy finds out, and we don't have to go through 20 minutes of backstory. It's like, yeah, I got bit by a spider. Yeah, exactly. They are, I'm sure the and, writers and are, like, on. are like, we it's, already yeah. had a million origin stories for Spider-Man. We don't need another one. Right. And it was so, uh, so good. Um, My favorite scene, though, I'm sure you remember, is when the reveal, spoiler, that uh, uh, Michael uh, Keaton was the father, and then they get, and then they get. Did you see that coming? No. And then they get in the car, and he starts figuring it out that it's Spider-Man. All right, that's my only problem is he did figure that out a little too quickly. Well. All right, whatever. Just saying. I thought that, I, was, I that was my I favorite scene. That was my favorite scene of the movie when it all. Um, it, it could have gone so like, many different ways. That scene, I think they yeah. did it perfectly to me. Really good job of, of like keeping that secret. Like you know, they did that. You know, because they represent Queens pretty well. Because the high school is very diverse. Diversity in Spider-Man is like spot on, and so you know his. He's got a crush on this black girl the entire movie. And you're thinking, oh, that's cool that they're just breaking racial, you know, not realizing it's a tool to hide the fact that her father's white and her mother's black and the father's actually the bad guy. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and I thought that kid was going to be so annoying, but he was just, like, he was, because Spider-Man's kind of an annoying guy. Um, but he was like he was just the right annoying, you know. Yeah. I, I was I I was so impressed. I was so surprised how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought uh, it was really. I mean, I liked the whole beginning when you saw that he was getting called for that Avengers thing, and they showed him getting picked up and flown to wherever he was going uh, to join the fight, and he was yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. I thought it was clever. Um, yeah, very. Um, and how they were keeping so track put, of him. What's that? And that uh, Tony Stark was looking out for him. Right. Keeping track of him the whole time. Um, a lot of people think Tony Stark is going to die in this big Avenger movie. That's the big rumor. Yeah, I think so, too. Do you? Do you like, I was talking to somebody that... Um, I think he doesn't want to do it anymore. Okay, that's what I'm going to say. I was talking to somebody that knows him very well. Um, he's actually his sponsor in AA. Like, Robert Downey Jr. is this guy's sponsor. And he said that, um, that that's the thing, is that he loves doing those movies more than anything. So he doesn't think he's stopping. Okay. So, I mean, because that's what everybody seems to think. Like, oh, they're going to kill him because, first of all, he's fucking expensive, I, I'm sure. Yeah. And then, you know... He probably wants to move on. They want to use this younger group and whatever, but... Well, they showed the... As I said last week, they showed the Spider-Man suit that was the Iron Man suit. At the the end with the whole... That was a funny scene, too, is when they were going to make the announcement that that Spider-Man was an Avenger. Yeah. And uh, they had to, like, basically come up with a different... I don't know, it was a funny scene. But they showed the Spider-Man suit as a, a metal, like an armor, armored one. Oh, okay. 
I'll tell you, I love the suit. I love the way they made that. Uh, it's just good. It's a good movie. Uh, and everyone keeps saying it's very John Hughesy. I think that's a little. I don't know. Well, they just did. Because they, 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 high school doesn't make it yeah. John Venus. No, it was a little too much. But they did a. I like the thought that when he was in like the suburbs, like there was nothing to. Like he had to run because he had nothing to put his webs on. So, right. So they like. Yeah. So he had to run, and yeah. uh, that was that the whole scene with the Ferris Bueller where he's running through the backyards. Right. Yeah, that was cool. You know what else is cool? You know what else is cool? They figured out a way by using Tony Stark um, to make these ridiculous things that people do plausible through the suits. You know, like when he's got his suit that talks back to him, and he like goes through all the different modes and what yeah. he can do. Like that gives all of that context, it makes it all plausible, rather than just this absurd thing that all of a sudden he can shoot webs like everywhere. And, uh, and it also yeah. like gives you the storytelling a different uh, level that we don't have to have him talking to himself. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, oh, yeah. what can I do now? What can I? I can do this. Like he is actually like talking to something. That's good, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. But all right, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, we both like Spider Man. We're gonna see if we both like Dunkirk, and uh, we'll be back next week. I think. You have anything else? Uh, no, that's it for me. All right, later.